Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. This is episode 69, dudes. It's a Bill and Ted reference. Um, And it's about how to deal with family who are unwelcoming and mean. I know the holidays are a few days away. Well, one holiday in particular, which can bring up a lot of uncomfortable feelings, especially if you have a not-so-loving extended family or even your own family. Um, So if you are a person that has a new family, let's say your spouse's family, and they are not very nice to you, and maybe they close off to you or treat you very poorly, this is for you. So this could be a significant other's family or your own family. Like, for example, maybe you have a parent who married into a new family, and now they're kind of like not acknowledging your existence. Or maybe you have a significant other and their family just doesn't accept you. Or maybe they flat out don't acknowledge you're in the room. So maybe they constantly divide you and your spouse and it causes more fights. And maybe it's someone totally different. Maybe it's a friend that you visit their house all the time and it's their family. And if it's your family, that's totally common. And they can have dysfunctional ways of relating to you that make you feel like you are not loved, lesser, and or losing your mind. So this is for a friend who wrote to me, hang in there. I know it's not easy and it takes a strong person to manage it. So as usual, there are three parts, the what, the why, and how, the tools. Part one, the what. Extended family who treats you deliberately differently, keeping you an outsider like you don't exist or intentionally treating you like crap. Maybe they don't respect your boundaries or they are cold and mean to you and very obvious about not wanting you to be in the family at all. So this kind of treatment shows they don't like you as much or shows you are not one of them and maybe can appear in different forms depending on the family style. So the dynamic could be based on their culture or it could be on based on their emotional baggage and it can be expressed in different ways, but it always kind of feels controlling and like it hurts. It's just an expression of hate. So for example, a passive-aggressive household might intentionally talk as though you're not there, in third person, or they might speak to your spouse and not to you. Similar in style but different in root, a depressed household where people disassociate and are numb to their issues might completely ignore your presence as though you are not in the room, like they don't even see you, like they look through you. Another way this might manifest might be a family that oversteps or attempts to insert themselves into your relationship, like a parent who puts themselves first in your spouse's life, even manipulating your spouse to be against you. So if they're constantly testing their power and control and doing it in kind of overtly inappropriate ways, you become the bad guy constantly for doing absolutely nothing. So they're they're playing the victim role and you're always put in the position of the one that's making them feel bad. There's also the kind of family that just uses meanness or cruelty, which I know is one of the scariest to face because it it's like seeing a crazy person on the street. If you have to be around this person willfully, it kind of causes a lot of 
problems to do with self-love where you're like, why am I putting myself through all this pain? And then it also is disorienting because it's one of those things that breaks all the rules of the rest of your life where this is this one environment where I allow myself to be treated like shit. So it can also cause a lot of anguish for your spouse because it becomes like a tug of war and there are high emotions involved, high, high stakes. So this kind of treatment, no matter what it is, can make you feel like you're going crazy, like it's in your head or that there's something wrong with you because it doesn't make sense. So depending on the style of the meanness, it can make you internalize the reaction and believe that maybe something in you is unlovable. Plus, it can negative, negatively affect your relationship with your spouse and forge a rift or cause you to feel like they're not doing enough or they can feel like they are forced into the middle of something and they're hurt by it too. So when someone is torn between you and their family, it's really difficult for you to be close to them because there's always this rock between you and it's impossible for them to choose between you and their family because it's love and it cannot be willfully undone. So it's a problem that catalyzes a lot of other unrest for you, for your sense of self, for your foundation in your relationship, and it can make you feel pretty crappy. You don't go to places where people treat you poorly, and yet this is one environment you're being forced to endure abuse. So yes, this is offensive, and it's a huge bummer. But to address it, you must choose empowerment, doing something about it, and not feeling the pain of victimization. Empowerment is where positive change is accessible. I want to offer you clarity as a place to start from because relationships like this are disorienting and they make you feel not like yourself and you can't tell where which way is up sometimes. So firstly, I want to say no, you're not crazy. This isn't in your head. And if you feel it, it's there. Some people are experts at passive aggression and they can make you feel like Maybe you are reading into things, but it's there. It's happening. It's real. And your reaction is healthy. It's healthy to feel pain. You are the healthiest member in this family by feeling hurt by this type of behavior. And it means that it's not being internalized by you, which is where it would be hurtful more so. So because it's externalized, it can be addressed. So you're doing something healthy by getting upset and by vocalizing the pain and telling your spouse about it, because that's self-protective. That's a good thing. Now you are aware of the problem, and it can be managed. Second, it's not about you. Always know that fact and start from that awareness. Even though others can make you feel like some of this is your fault, you must always know that it has nothing to do with you personally at all. You are exactly as you need to be in order to be loved and accepted. You are perfect as you are, and you deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. And the fact that you are not is very, very unfortunate for everyone involved, for you, your spouse, and also this other family member who's enacting the meanness, because it's really a loss of so much good that they are inflicting on themselves and spreading to others. But it's truly not about you. It's all coming from something inside of them. This isn't about your relationship. It's infecting it, but it's separate. Treat it that way. Family is its own ball of wires, and it's tied to all sorts of weird baggage and trigger points inside of your significant other. So take as much of the blame off of your spouse as possible and keep them as close to you 
and bonded as you possibly can. You need their love and support right now. You both need each other. So as much as you can, it's vital that you communicate with utter tolerance, honesty, non-blaming, peaceful love. And just approach everything as a united team. And if somebody is not capable of doing what you want them to do or their reactions are not the way you want them to be, try and remember that this is a lot more complicated than it is for you. Like they're dealing with a whole other set of issues that, that they can't reconcile. If they're not capable of doing what you would do, find a solution that they can do. This is about solutions. It's not about blame. It's not about resent. It's not about being sad about what not what is not true. So re respect their limits and respect their blindness when it comes to their parents. It's really hard to deal with what they're dealing with. So regardless of what your spouse does or doesn't do, establish to yourself aloud right now that you don't want this to infect your relationship. Why? Because it's a lot smaller and easier to address if you keep it separate. You keep it away from the bond between you and your spouse. Don't allow it to carry over in any shape or form. And don't allow it to take anything more from you. This is the person who is attempting to infect your relationship. And you have to keep them away from it. It's too sacred. So don't let it get dirty. More than anything, just keep that in the back of your head. It does you no good to lump more into the fire. So just keep it to the real sense of right and wrong, and don't escalate fights related to the conduct of your spouse. Just fight those battles when it's something related to your love for each other. But this is its own separate thing. Do you want my official answer? Yes, your spouse should be putting you first, choosing you over the whatever family member's doing this, because they've chosen you as their soulmate. Therefore, you're supposed to be in the number one position. But in reality, it's not that simple. It's not fair to ask somebody to do something you want them to do as a blanket rule, because sometimes it's, they have baggage. It's not that easy. And if a parent is really good at manipulating them, they have uh, a lot of power in ways that can kind of play them like an instrument. It can make them feel sad or worried or guilty and all these other weak spots. Also, for the sake of isolating the problem and keeping it manageable, keep this between you and the parents so that you can keep your bond with your partner solid. You need them with you, supporting you as much as possible. And just blaming them moves them further away. Stay empowered. Treat this as a family issue, not a relationship one. It's both of your problem, and you need each other in order to be effective. So trust that they have limits, and you can't feel how they feel in this situation. So take the actions of your partner out of it as much as possible. The trick is to prepare yourselves enough that you can both protect your relationship from this family member and walk into it, hand in hand, united front. This thing doesn't belong between the two of you. Keep it outside of you. The relationship is sacred. So this is about watching the crazy as an outside storyline that you have to navigate now and again. It has nothing to do with you. You are whole and happy. Think of it like a reality show. And this family member is like the star character. The audience inside your brain is watching this in-law or whoever they are with horror. Those people 
who are cruel for no reason. They're victims of themselves. They're the ones destroying their lives and what would be a happy, awesome time. So just watch and feel sad for the train wrecks, but don't engage them. To recap, this problem must be addressed from a very clear position. It's not about you, and it's not about your relationship. Keep the terms pristine, because it will give you the best outcome and the most control. Which brings me to part two, the why. From this point forth, I want you to think about this relationship with this family member in metaphor. Metaphors help you to assign logic to situations that don't make sense and that hurt you. It's not personal, and you have to arrive at this situation as a whole and self-loving person. So this family member, their realm, wherever you are around them, it's like Grey Gardens. I don't know if you've seen that documentary, but in their mind, they're playing the role of king and queen. You have to picture their outfits and this disarray that is around them and remember how crazy they are. Navigating this situation is all about this nonstick pan of zero offense. You are a visitor with an amused look on your face. You are not expecting anything from them. You're not expecting them to be any different than they have proven they will be. They live in their own imagination, which is rife with old issues, all of which have nothing to do with you whatsoever. Don't take it personally. This person has this mental construct that infects their ability to be loving and open which is sad, and I'm sure it's embarrassing for your spouse. This person is stunted somewhere, and it's very unfortunate that they have this blindness. But here's a little bit of background on why they are this way. It could be one or all of these things. Number one, they see you as a threat to their title. So their child has become a definition of their self, and therefore you are like a personal attack. So why they might be attached to their child is they use them as a proof that they have accomplished something in their life. So some people make their children into their career. They think of them as a testament to their own achievements. So therefore, you are getting in the way of their status, like you're borrowing their career in a sense. And often when it comes to kids, parents have very unrealistic expectations for what they're supposed to do and who they're supposed to be and also who deserves to be with them. So this ideal can get in the way of you being able to just be yourself and enjoy this awesome person that they have born into the world. So it's a form of insecurity and vulnerability being expressed by the parent because they don't want you to take away this thing that they built. They think of it as theirs and for you to come into the picture, it's almost like threatening the throne. So if they're sitting on their throne and you've been welcomed to sit in their chair as the most loved person in this person's life, it's almost like a power grab for being the boss. And that's how they feel it. Number two, they see you as vulnerable and they are petty. So we all have personality dynamics that are visible to others from the first moment you meet somebody. So think about when you see a crazy person on the street, you can sense it from subtle cues or maybe overt cues right off the bat. So this person saw they could affect you in some particular spot in your character, which makes them feel powerful 
to do so. So if you were, on the other hand, somebody that didn't have this particular vulnerability, like if you weren't ever affected by them whatsoever, or you were oblivious to their attacks, they would probably give up or uh, choose to direct it somewhere else. So it's directed at somebody they can see, they can hurt. And so they can, they can likely see somewhere like a hole in your armor. Therefore, they're using it to feel more powerful or to exert some sort of control over you. So they likely read something in your personality that they, gra- they are able to grab onto, which is all the more reason for you to approach this from a completely whole and balanced and self-loving perspective. Number three, they're deeply unhappy. So if you're being kind to somebody who is very unhappy, you are easy prey for them to put unhappiness onto because it's like a punching bag. You're much easier to punch because you'll always come back again. So why people do this to other people at all is they have a very set-in set of damage from childhood that they are living out in loop form. So I talk a lot about unconscious behavioral loops that play out like broken records, but it's usually people who are very unhappy and mean to others that are trapped in these very old loops. And they involve kind of this rationalization that they say to themselves. And it's kind of a band-aid for deep down feelings of low self-worth that they haven't addressed. So for example, they might be saying in their minds, I'm smarter than everyone else. That person is dumb and I hate them. I'm better than them. But that voice is basically covering up a deeper belief that they are not good, not worth loving, and miserable. So think of it like a uh, threatened or insecure person who feels terrible about themselves. Like A person like that will constantly prove their worth over and over again just in their own justifications. They have to keep defining why they are valid. I'm better. That person's life sucks. My life is better. My terms are better. So in general, how people feel about themselves is reflected directly by what they do to others. You can see how someone feels about about themselves by how they treat others. It's a direct translation of self-love. So they likely have no idea that they have this unhappiness and low self-worth inside themselves. They, have, they likely have no idea that this, this problem exists or that it's fixable because it's so old at this point, it's so deep set in, and some part of them is unconsciously protecting it like a secret truth. So if anything comes close to it, like if anything comes close to revealing the truth to them, they will fight back harshly. Like, get away from it. Get away from that spot. Like, it's a knee-jerk reaction. And all of that usually happens unconsciously. It's the same reason that sometimes when you'll, you'll notice yourself about to cry and you'll feel something in yourself pushing it away, like preventing it from coming out. That's the same kind of sense that this type of person gets when something comes close to touching on a point that is secretly true. Like, if you call them somehow imply that they're cheap and they're like feel completely appalled and defensive for no reason if it's a sore spot it's because they believe some part of them is fearful of feeling like they're bad some part of them believes 
I'm bad. And so if you've touched on it, something that's, that hurts, that's when somebody reacts, overreacts with sensitivity. What? What do you mean? I'm not like that. You're like that. Like that's, it's like a kid's reaction to self-protection. Because at a certain age, well, at many ages, but especially if you're older, it's too scary. You don't want to look because it's too, it's too much. You can't imagine going there. You've been running from something your whole life. Number four, they feel good feeling powerful. So in addition to this, people who intentionally hurt others feel good doing it because it's the only time in their life that they feel empowered because they're able to affect somebody. And that's the only time that they can see that they have, they matter in the world, is when they're able to affect somebody else, which is very pathetic. It's very sad and pathetic. But the reason that they might enjoy causing you harm or controlling you or exerting control over somebody else is because they likely can't affect anybody else ever in that way. So it's like, ha, see, I matter. I have the keys to this person's heart. Ha ha ha. I know, sucks. Number five, they are willfully ignorant. Ignorance can be intentional. And when, it's, when that's the case, it's because somebody doesn't want to know. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know they're being immature. They don't want to know they're wrong. And they don't want to change. It's safer and it's easier and it's less scary to stay rigid and close your eyes and say, no, I like my way. Because it doesn't require you change. It doesn't require anything is different. You can just stay and like, no, my way. And everybody else has to bend. So this person, if they are being uh, willfully exclusive or elitist or ignorant or blind at, to your feelings and to what they should be doing or to what is moral, it's coming from a deep down fear. And it sounds crazy, but it's tied to feelings of worth, worthlessness, not wanting to look. It's the same kind of thing, not wanting to see what's inside, but knowing it's bad. So another form of ignorance is elitism. And elitism is a form of blindness that comes from fear, not wanting to, to know or accept something unknown. And both are kind of unconscious forms of hate. They're blunt and basic and broad, and they have nothing to do with you or reality. They're instincts, and they're primitive, and they're fearful. So it's almost like an internal system born of wanting to create safe rules for the world that they can hold on to in the face of so much unknown. It's the ego's way of creating a world that they can prove to themselves, I'm good, I'm worthy, I'm pure, I'm a success. But it's a fragile set of terms. So when something threatens it, they bark really loud. And if you betray all of those beliefs, then they will feel threatened in just their own sense of self. So it will be even a more harsh, you know, no, that's wrong. I can't accept that. This Because it'll just undo too much inside of them. Number six, they have damage. Just like everybody else. <laughs> Maybe more severe, though, and older. So I just want to remind you that at this time, right now it's 2015, People in older generations didn't have access to what we have access to today. They didn't have access to podcasts about self-help. They didn't have Amazon Prime. <laughs> they didn't have access to therapy or as much access. And there was a lot more stigma on getting help for your problems or for being weak or crying if something hurts. So 
when it comes to computer illiterates, this kind of piece, this element or this piece of information can help you see why they are so unevolved. It's not an excuse, but if you are finding yourself not feeling uh, any love or compassion, it, it helps to just remind yourself like they got stunted. They got stuck at a certain part of their life and it's damage that's inside of them and it's therefore deforming their worldview. For example, if maybe they grew up around all wealthy people and they were poor, they might forever be f like obsessed with wealth and status. It's like a fear-based thing that's just a part of their worldview. So they'll continue to pass that judgment on to their children and everyone else in their children's lives. So if you grew up feeling ashamed about dirty thoughts or sexual thoughts, then and maybe they were forced to pray for their own salvation, then as an adult, they might be very uh, overly judgmental or fearful or like all of that weird damage that was done to them is now affecting the way they're judging their child. And it's coming from just damage, early young damage. A lot of people have really severe trauma from their parents. And it's a generation of people who didn't get therapy. So their parents had even worse issues. And there's a good chance that they are enacting the damage that their parents enacted on them. So it could be just the way they were loved growing up. You might not be able to see that if you know that, you know, maybe you know your spouse's grandparents, but you can't see that they were ever harsh in any way, or you can't tell the damage that they did to their parents, to your spouse's parents. People change dramatically when it comes to grandchildren and their children. So don't believe you know the whole story. And assume that whatever this person is enacting is in some shape or form something they learned from their parents. It's something, it always comes from the way they learned to love. And if you were not given something, you cannot give it to others. So for example, if this person is constantly saying it's not enough, they constant feel, constantly feel slighted, that's a sign they were never given love, pure, unconditional love by their parent. So it's like what I like to call the bottomless pit. It's never enough when someone can never feel fulfilled. When someone never feels fulfilled, it means they have a belief, they have a craving from childhood. They never feel whole. I'm not enough, give me more. I'm not loved enough, give me more. That's like their inner kid talking. I need more love. I need more love. It's not enough. I don't have enough. And that's the void that was left by their parents. So if they were able to get therapy, they probably would have awareness of that. And I and just because I say therapy, I mean good therapy. There are a lot of people that go to therapy just to validate their own negative beliefs. And they just like to sit there and feel like they're right. So I mean therapy that's with a good therapist. If they didn't have this, they're living out their old childhood issues and you're a casualty of it, which is very unfortunate. Last, I want to address the why behind maybe your spouse not doing what you think they should in the situation. Your spouse experiences something much more difficult in many ways because it's a conflict with no solution, one that will hurt them in any direction, and they cannot do anything to move out of the middle. So some will side with the parent because they feel the parent is weaker 
and therefore you are the strong one and you're strong enough to deal with the offense, whereas their parent is not. Some will shut down and ignore the topic altogether as a defense mechanism, going blank and just leaving the room and pretending things aren't happening. But that's because we learn our tools and our coping mechanisms, and we are also dealt many of them by just genetics. So we can only apply the tools we are dealt. Some people just can't handle conflict, and they can't handle confrontation. And their defense mechanism is to just shut down and do nothing. So when people don't react the way you want them to, it's not that it's lesser or that they don't love you. It's that they're making do with the tools they have. Also, most people cannot read minds. Maybe you think you can, but you can't. Whatever you're thinking, they're thinking you're wrong. As a policy, if you want something, you have to vocalize it. If you say something, uh, leave the blame out of it. Leave any kind of intonations out of it. Just express things from love as much as you possibly can. And if you want them to know you feel a certain way, say, I feel blank. Because things can come out with a lot more spikes, especially when there are hurt emotions like these involved. And just make it a rule for yourself. When it comes to your spouse, lead with love. Make the solutions always come from that place and give them the tools to help you. Offer them the proper ways to help and support you in this situation. Because often they will gladly take you up on them. It's just you have to figure out methods that work with their abilities and don't exclude them and don't force them to do things that they can't do or they're not going to feel comfortable doing. This situation is a tough one because in order for you to get more of what you want in your life and create a path to more peace and happiness and potentially some kind of relationship with your extended family, you kind of have to put your needs and your wish for them to be better aside. You have to come from an empowered and aware position which is not fair. I know it's not fair. It shouldn't be this way, but it is, and that's life. And the sooner you can move on from that place and choose to do something about it, the sooner your life doesn't hurt anymore. You're not a victim to it. You are empowered, and you can choose which direction you want it to go. So use your own power and don't succumb to the the person inside you that's sensitive, that wants to cry and point at like the villain. Instead, come from it above and look down at what are the opportunities, what are the choices you can make, and what will be best for you in your life in the long term. Which brings me to part three, the tools. Number one, mourn. I know, <laughs> mourning is sort of a not empowering sounding tool. But the truth is, this is a very sad problem. I mean, it's a, a painful position to be in. And a lot of the struggle and the pain you're feeling is the not wanting to accept that this is the way things are and they will be. Because they shouldn't be that way. You deserve better. You deserve love and acceptance and someone enthusiastic to have you in their family. You deserve, at the very least, hum humane and equal treatment. You deserve a family who loves you, who is not mean and hurtful. So to start this process, you have to really mourn that fact 
and allow yourself to feel that pain and really be sad about it because this part hurts so much. It shouldn't be that way and it's very sad and painful and accepting that this is the truth and that this individual is not loving in the way they should be and you aren't going to get what you want from them. That is the beginning to you changing it. So see them as they are, separate from you, separate from anything extra, just this is who this person is, they have limits, they're screwed up, and let it go, let go what they they should be, let go of what you deserve, because that's not what you got. I know your pain, I know this, this part of it is almost unbearable. It's like it you almost run from it. It's like you, your brain will be kind of skirting around it, just not wanting to see it because it's like so scary how painful that is. It's like you'll constantly jo- dodge it with justifications and rationalizations and keep it in like a complete, you know, debate of the facts. Like, well, but maybe they didn't mean it, but why did they do that? You still can't, like you, part of you still wants to talk them out of it. Like, but they can't, they must not know, but why are they... It's like you're fighting with the fact that they are just shitty, (laughs) not the way they should be. No matter how you try, no matter what you do, they can't see what you are. They can't see the joy that is you, which is very sad. So the best thing you can do for yourself is step back and look at them for what they are and accept it and cry about it, mourn it, know that you don't deserve it, and come back to this. Keep crying about it. It might take a while to get it out of your body, but come back to this from that perspective of like, okay, I know this person is damaged. I know that this is a shitty situation and I know that I love my spouse. How can I attack this situation knowing all of that to get the most out of this? What do I want for myself? What do I want for my holidays? What do I want for any kind of communication where I interact with them? What's the best version of this relationship that I can create? And how can I come from a loving perspective? It's all about knowing who you are and creating like kind of a a bubble around yourself that is love and knowing that that exists no matter what this other person does. Because you can still enter this as a, a new kind of relationship. You know, maybe it's about having experiences that can serve as memories for your spouse, but it's not something that has to hurt you. Feel that wound inside yourself. And when it's healed, come back to this and choose what you want to get out of this without getting hurt. Because once you can accept what it is and not expect anymore, you stop getting hurt on a loop. You stop getting your expectations up. And you stop getting crashed down onto the ground again and again because it's like you know what's going to happen. You just want yourself to forget it sometimes. You don't want to believe it's true. Because if you don't do this stage, if you don't accept it and mourn it, you get hurt again and again. You, hit, you get angry again and again. You feel offended again and again. It's, it's like it keeps hurting. So it's like mourn that pain, accept the truth, and allow yourself to be sad about it and then take a break from it. Once you do that, you really know who they are. And then you can strategize. You don't have to be unrealistic about what they're going to do. You can get over the fact that they're 
they are the way they are. They're really fucked up and damaged. And then you can make a manageable situation for yourself where maybe you'll actually be surprised for the better now and again. I have a friend who has a crazy in-law who is very unloving and says mean things and is also crazy about uh, taking over the life of her spouse and all sorts of crazy issues. But she laughs about it. And at the end of the day, she loves her husband enough and has enough confidence in herself that she makes peace with this woman after she does the incredibly hurtful things. Why? Because when you take yourself out of something, you know it's not about you, and you stand above it, you only care about the solution. It doesn't hurt you anymore. It just is. It's almost comical. It's like you watch this. Like It's like having a crazy aunt. It's like, well, what am I going to do? Nothing. It's not about you. It's about realizing this person is damaged. They are who they are, accepting it, and then coming at it from a new vantage point, which isn't a necessarily bad one. It's just different. So come from the truth so you can accept and protect yourself. Number two, pause. So in the moment of reaction, when you're being hurt by this other person, take a breath, just a very basic, simple pause. Practice pausing before you do anything and just acknowledge just a moment before you do anything at all. This is a great tool from a book called Radical Acceptance, and I'm going to put it on my blog version of this, but it's a tool to prevent yourself from kind of those automatic reactions that are not coming from your most thoughtful, you know, reflective self. Reactions are the base level responses when something has hit us in a spot that's sore, when things get the better of us, when we don't choose, we react. So this person is likely getting to you and hurting you mostly because you are being forced to act out of character with who you are deep down. So when we fall victim to the low blows of another person, it's degrading and it makes us feel like not ourselves because we're acting as not ourselves. So in the moment of reaction, practice just pausing, taking a moment before you react. You can say to yourself in your own mind, one one thousand, or you can just say, pause. But to hone this ability, because I know like if you're in a reactive state, it's not like a choice, it's just automatic, it's instant. So to really practice and hone this ability, try doing one thing every single day, something you do as a, a daily you know, activity, let's say before you brush your teeth, like you put the toothpaste on the tooth, brush before you brush your teeth say in your own mind one one thousand and then brush your teeth or before you eat your lunch one one thousand just take a pause and the more you can do this in kind of those automatic moments the better you're going to be at doing it when somebody like hurls something really offensive at you you'll have the ability to stop and be like you don't have to react because what happens when you take yourself out of a reaction is you find yourself choosing something that is in alignment with who you are. For example, instead of being like, I didn't say that, that's a reaction. You'd be like, oh, I'm sorry you felt like that. I won't do that again. Like you get to choose to receive their, their prompt, their poke. You get to choose if you want to engage with 
a crazy person who's trying to spread evil. <laughs> That's two. Number three, witness their pain. Become a witness. This one is super powerful, and I use it daily. And at first, it might sound like something you won't want to do because it's like, it's not your problem why they're doing what they're doing and you just want to get away from them because they're evil but it's so helpful so i recommend you try it when somebody is cruel or mean and they're spitting hate at you or being mean to you in any way try to just assume the role of witness just become a witness to the pain operating inside of them like you're trying to see through just this program that's operating their body, whether it's this whining, crying child that wants and needs attention and is having a tantrum, or it's the adult who is scared and barking, who is like trapped in this fearful ignorance. And they're like, get away from me, get away from me. I'm, don't come near me. Like, just try and witness whatever this pain program is that's operating inside of them and making them be that way. Just witness it as a separate entity and feel sadness for them feel pity for them feel lack of pity just laugh at them whatever it is just take yourself out of it out of the receiving position and see them as though they're under a spotlight doing what they're doing and they're alone in a room and how sad and pathetic it is really because this person is being operated by this old belief system and it's coming from a kind of terrible wounded pain-filled place. And what a awful life to live. I mean, you should feel pity for them because how terrible would it be to live inside that person's life? How awful must they feel to live the, as themselves every day? Just feeling that way, operating from that perspective is like such a sad place to be. When it comes to rage or people that are, are actively aggressive with their hate, that can also be the result of just unconsciousness. When What I mean is like the rage zombies you see on the freeway during traffic, they're being operated by the base level part of their brain that is automatic and not thoughtful or reflective. So it's almost like they're being operated by their ego. It's like this automatic shutoff system that our brain creates to save energy. So we end up living according to this loop or this routine, and it's a habit of being that is not truly we are so if they are operating from this like i'll call it like a pain program like a grouchiness program they are likely not participating in choice it's almost like they got trapped in their brain and they're just watching they're not able to watch themselves be pilot piloted by this it's just like they're they believe they are their thoughts they believe they are what they say they believe they are they are choosing all these things but they're actually not a lot of people don't realize that they get to choose the thoughts they want to respond to and not engage the ones that are not serving them. Most people don't realize that at all. They assume they are their thoughts. So if they've been activated by a long history of griping and complaining and unhappiness and hate, that's just the program that's operating them and it's actually not who they are. They just don't know that they don't have to be that way. So whatever the form is, this tool is just to simply step back and try and focus and witness what is operating inside of this person. Is it the automated rage or is it this deep childhood pain 
Are they activated by a childlike sense of neediness? Whatever it is, feel sorry for them and just spot it. Spot what's operating them. It's a tool to just keep you safe and separate from the receiving position. Don't engage. Just watch. If you want to know more about this one, I recommend you listen to the episode on um, how to undo negative thought habits. It's all about that. Number four, don't play in the mud. So imagine that they are a angry child playing in a puddle of mud and they are slinging it at you. So when they do that and you react to it, you have now sat down in the mud with them and you're playing in it too. So get off the ground. You are crawling on their level. If you don't receive something, it doesn't exist. You can just watch a passive-aggressive or a clearly aggressive move just fly by and miss you, just like it's like a fistful of mud. So if you notice yourself getting stuck on something they said or they did, wash your ears out. Wash out the muck because it got stuck inside your head. Don't engage in dirty games. It's a waste of energy, and it dirties your person. Games like that, mudslinging is for babies, not healthy, normal adults like you. Their task is to really find the best protective raincoat to wear while you are around them and to get your spouse to hold up an umbrella so that they can help things not hit you as often in metaphorical terms. And never escalate because, not because you're not right, but it's a waste of your time and it leads you away from your most empowered solution. Always approach this like a you're, you're a bomb squad person and you're making sure not to escalate the conflict as much as humanly possible while staying safe behind your gear. And they are not allowed to force you to play in the mud with them. It's your decision whether or not you want to get down to their level or not. So if you choose not to engage and you never respond from their level, they can't keep the game going. It's always going to be whether or not you choose to participate. If you don't, you win. And you are maintaining a level of behavior that is in, alliant, in alignment with who you are and your own sense of self, which is what's most important. Number five, kindness is Teflon. You should always, always be kind to this person, or at least nothing at all. Like don't engage, but don't never be more than just neutral because nothing can stick to you if you do. Think about when you're rude to somebody and they're rude back. You feel valid. Now think about when you're rude to somebody and they are nice and honest back to you. You feel like an idiot. So don't allow this person to sour or alter you in any way. You must always be completely autonomous and protected by the skin that is your personality. And as long as you can never alter that truth of who you are as an individual, you can maintain uh, self-protection while you are around this person. Let go of the outcome of your actions. And if you do something kind for them, do it because you are that kind of person. It has nothing to do with them. Not because you want them to do something they're supposed to do, but because that's just who you are. There's no such thing as supposed to when it comes to people like this. So just let go of any expectation 
Keep it to yourself and your own terms for yourself. And don't invite more injury to yourself. Because as soon as you get involved in hating or negative emotions toward this person, it's already compromised your life. It's changed you and it's validated them. It's like you've engaged their dirty game instead of maintaining who you are as a person. So you must not cater to hate by feeling wounded by it or fighting it. You must demonstrate to yourself, to your spouse, but mostly to yourself, that you are above it. And once you can act above something petty, it will reveal the pettiness to them and to everybody else around you. So I will offer this. Sometimes, sometimes a major milestone can shift the dynamic in this family member. Like a birth or a death or some major shift can hit a big reset button for their perspective. But the change relies on the other person growing and they have to do it for themselves. They have to mature and they have to choose to grow. It's not a bet you can place. So you cannot rely on that ever happening. You have to take care of yourself and act as your best self and not allow them to change that self by coming from just an acceptance of reality and still being that self no matter what. So if they come around one day, that would be awesome. But your job is to just be a loving individual no matter what. Let, let that be just who you are as a constant state and leave them changing out of the equation. Number six, leave the ref out of the fight. So that's, this is just related to your spouse. This needs to stay small. This situation needs to stay as contained as possible. So learn to support yourself and your spouse without getting them hooked into choosing a side. Like as much as you possibly can, let them not be a judge in this fight. The more you can do that, the less it will take both of you down with it. And remember that you are loving your spouse just by trying, just by honoring this relationship for him or her. This is a, a difficult situation to be in, and you don't want them to be put in a compromising position. Number seven, a locket of allegiance. So this is like a visualization slash, it's like a physical item that you can attribute focus to, and it will help you protect yourself in the moments when you're really in an uncomfortable situation. Like if you're at a family gathering and this, let's say it's multiple family members and they're all being dicks to you. If you have this like icon or let's say it's like a, a pin or a, a bracelet some sort of item that you and your spouse will select that is meant to represent to you the sacred bond and love and allegiance between the two of you. You basically can focus on it and remember that that exists no matter where you are. You are always protected by that. This thing is not allowed to infect that. You are more than the situation that's trapping you. I know that those situations are painful. But you get to decide how you are going to respond to things and whether or not those things are allowed to mean anything to you. So in the moments, just hold on to this one item 
and focus on its power. When you find yourself being pelted by mud, focus visually on what this means. Something specific and a symbol of your love. So whether or not it's like a little locket or a ring, I think it's nice for you to pick a new thing just to take into the situation. Number eight, defense is a team sport. Put on matching uniforms, not literally, but put on matching uniforms under your clothes and make the steps you're going to take into a team effort. Like address this situation together and strategize together. Even if these are like small and gestural cues, create terms and words and e-cord exercises like emergency cords. Create a system of like, what if this, then we'll do this. Build a tool set together because your best tools are going to come out of your open communication with each other. So plan with your partner before this hangout with these people. Make it clear to them that you are what the things are that hurt you the most and let them help you in ways that can make it into something more humorous and less serious. And really encourage your significant other to talk about how they feel openly with you and don't judge their feelings because the more you can share in each other's feelings and abilities and limits, like the more you can empower each other. You can strengthen your bond for the better. I recommend creating at least a safety word. Like if I cannot stand it and I need to get out of the house, like I'll say pineapple or whatever it is. So if this family member is not an in-law and this is like your family, find somebody, maybe it's a sibling or a friend, anybody else that can see your pain and can relate to it and can understand it. So maybe it's a friend that's an old friend that knows your family really well and they can spot the dynamic. Whatever it is, strategize with them what you can do in those situations because it's really powerful just to have one person that can ground you to the craziness like can can remind you no it's not that it's not me i'm not crazy this is just them being crazy and it's kind of hilarious so when you are confronted with somebody that is not loving and like or a whole family you are the one that gets to choose to engage or to not and they will provoke you but it's in that moment that you get to decide i don't have to play at all I can choose to just step out. And once you do that, you are the one in control. You are the one in power. They cannot force you to feel anything that you don't want to feel. So if they try, figure out a way to step out of the ring. So in closing, building any relationship takes time, especially if it's a relationship between a mature loving adult, you, and a venom-filled childlike adult, them. And the best thing you can do for yourself and your spouse is to forgive, 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 forgive. And as painful as it sounds, accept, 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 accept. Because when you get to that place of letting go of what you wish was true, you can truly react from empowerment and wholeness. And it's all just a choice. It's all in your power. It just is. And truly, this situation is unfortunate, but it has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with your spouse. 
and what makes you two happy together. It's just a bummer that you have to navigate around this at all. But it comes down to you choosing to use all the tools allotted to you and making the best condition for your relationship as you possibly can. It's a comedic construct. The in-law with the bizarre issues or the extended family with the fucked up everything. You're not alone. We've, we've all been there. We all know this dynamic. It has existed across generations. And it's, there's a reason it shows up in a lot of comedies. And it's because it's one of those things that will forever exist. Why? Because people are crazy. And when it comes to their kids, they are crazier. A lot of generations didn't have very good self-help. So cut them some slack and lovingly pity them for their tactics. They can't and won't touch you. And that's what you must ensure for yourself. You must always hover above them on another level, smiling down. And they know that. It's just about making sure you do too. It is the good of working harder to maintain a safe and loving system to navigate this person outweigh the bad? If so, then choose to put in the work. Be the bigger person. Because you are empowered in this situation to choose. And healthy, self-loving people choose to get the most out of any situation, regardless of how that has to be achieved. Who cares if it's not your fault? Being their victim is a perspective that gets you nowhere. Gets you wounded and longing for them to change and hurt again and again, which is irrational and doesn't get you more good stuff. So build the right system to get as much love and family experiences as you possibly can because life is short and you are smart and you can choose to change the course if you use your power. Walk slowly with a smile and hold your partner's hand because this is about milking it for all it can give you while avoiding as much of the negative as possible. So work toward that path as a couple and don't let anything penetrate your bond. And as a person, do the same. No one can alter how you feel inside yourself. This, whoever they are, is not allowed to affect you and your sense of self and your world. Because what they're dealing with is not about you. Just come from love and let the rest go. And I hope you enjoyed this. Smile, lovelies. Thank you.